Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Hey, hey, we're back. Welcome to Knife Talk. This is a podcast for knife makers, bladesmiths, blacksmiths. Whatever you do, we're with you. We're here. Put your safety glasses on and relax. <laughs> As with me always is the great Mareko Momasi, Momasi Fire Arts. What's up? El Nino, the captain. Craig Lockwood of, of Chop Knives. I'm Jeff Fader of Fader Knives, clearly. And we're here to help. Or not help. It doesn't really matter. So... Guys, it's been a crazy week. How's everybody been? Uh, I've still been struggling, actually, with getting this uh, coffee etch on this blade. I thought I had it good, and then I had to... So, all right, so here's what's going on. The big secret about this thing. So, what I'm doing is I'm gold-plating this mosaic Damascus blade. Holy mackerel. And I've been spending the last two weeks trying to figure it out. I figured out a system... And this morning, I actually, like literally 10 minutes ago, um, I did, I kind of proofed the concept of the order of operations and it works. And so, but the result on this first attempt isn't the greatest, uh, or it's close. It's actually, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's close, but uh, it's just not uh, exactly what I want. And I think part of the problem is I spent too much. So it's like a chemical process where you're... You know, you're spreading these chemicals across the blade, and um, and it, but it's like electro. It's an electroplating. It's kind of like how you do the the electro mark, but it's with you're yeah. plating chemical or not plating chemicals, but plating metals onto the blade. And so, it's close. Um, but I'm gonna give it another go this afternoon, and I'm pretty confident it's gonna look super sweet. And in either tomorrow, or probably not tomorrow, because tomorrow is technically Sunday. Uh, Monday or Tuesday or Tuesday or Tuesday. Yeah. (laughs) I should have, uh, I should have some sweet picks up of this gold plated, uh, Damascus blade and it's selective. The tricky part is selectively plating, um, portions of the blade. And that's what I've been struggling with, but I think I got to figure it out. So, so will that mimic the mosaic pattern? 
Yeah, so the it's that it's that weaving briar patch pattern, the mosaic Damascus that I've been working on for like two months now. Um, and so the fifteen and twenty portions, which are kind of like the 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 vines braiding and and weaving over and under each other, are what will get plated, and then the black will stay black. But that's it's easier said than done. There are companies I, – back in the day, we used to get stuff uh, nickel-plated, and it was a lot of times um, it was brass or bronze that was getting nickel-plated, and we'd bring it to a place, and then they would d- dump it in whatever, and then it would come out looking like nickel. I mean, is it similar to that? Or? So I mean, a, and obviously, you're not going to have gold plating on the edge edge. Right, because the last thing I do is sharpen. So whatever gold might be there will get abraded away. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of a similar process. It's just, it's just been tricky because I'm doing it with the home system and I don't know. Next level. I, I'll talk more about it when I, when I understand it more <laughs> acutely. It sounds very exciting and terrifying at the same time. It is. It's expensive how, too. You know, I bet it is. That's good for the blood though. Yeah. Terrifying and exciting is good for the blood. Indeed, indeed. How about you, Craig? How you doing, buddy? How's the last I'm week? I'm very good. I'm very good. So this week has started the big, the big operation of getting my my shop ready for um, to open as a as a as a retail shop, as a oh, as a real right. shop. Um, so it's been a lot of tidying up, a lot of thinking about how I'm going to get my sort of dust extraction work in because. You know, it's going to be a working shop, as in I'll be there making knives. Yeah. It's going to be open to the public to be able to come in. So it's it's that fine balance of making it look like a, a working shop, but also having it tidy and clean and you know, a nice place for people to come and hopefully buy stuff. Um, so that started really in earnest this week. So everything's been taken out, everything's been cleaned, put back in, rearranging things, building new covers, building new, you know, just just getting it all set up, really. Yeah. Um, it's been fun, and we've been blessed with weather this week. It's been sort of 20, 21 degrees um, in freedom height. I don't know what that is. Don't know. Um, <laughs> but, but Celsius wide, it's, it's, it's been like summer, so it's been, it's been a great week. Very, very happy. Spring is in the air. Nice. Very exciting. That's like, super exciting. It is. Really exciting. Really exciting. So, you know, as, alongside that, I've been obviously working on knives as well. Um, but it's really made me think about the placement of of machines and where things are because I said, I'm removing everything at the moment, ready to to bring it all back in tidy. Um, But it's a case of, wow, that makes much more sense being there. You know, I'm going to do a hundred less steps a day if that's there. And and then for sure. So yeah, workflow. Yeah. It's it's a real fun exercise to do actually. Now I'd wish I'd done it some time ago, just, just for that purpose. Um, But yeah, it's good. It's good. So now I'm deciding how the walls are going to be covered. Because one side of the shop at the moment is all covered in, you know, that OSB stuff. Um, very practical as a workshop, but it just looks terrible as a shop. So um, I think I'm going to go with a wallpaper, which sounds crazy. Um, but um, a wallpaper, um, which is wiped clean. That should can always be kept clean. Um, oh, nice. But yeah, it's exciting. Lots of sort of design decisions to be made now on, on the interior of, of the shop. Are you going to have a way for your customers to not tell you, ask you a million questions while you're working? Hey, why are you doing like that? Well, you, got, you need like the that barrier that Tomer has that like the the whole uh, you know. Hey, you know what you should do? Barrier because he's got the big glass front, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm right. He does. It's for smart man. 
mine isn't that big. So at the end of the day, it's just going to be me in the shop. So if somebody comes in, I down tools and, you know, we live in a, you know, in a quiet village, really. So if somebody yeah. does come in, I down tools and they've got my attention. So it's not going to be a case of me working away whilst somebody's wandering in and waiting, waiting to be served kind of thing, you know. I'm making a prediction. I'm making a prediction that you are going to have office hours because the problem is going to be some guy is going to want to hang out. Yeah. Because I get this because we get this at the shop. I tell you what, I get people coming to my shop and I have, you know, they and it happens to tattoo parlors. It happens to a lot of mechanic places. Dudes want to hang out and <laughs> they want to. And, and, and I'm going to tell you this for the for honestly, I have more men coming in here crying and telling me their problems than any other shop in Peekskill. <laughs> I'm telling you, I got about five guys who come in here with like real problems, and I'm like the bartender or the psychotherapist or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just mentioned you just mentioned Toma and his setup there. So I've been chatting with him a lot over the last few weeks, um, and what he does, he's only open one day of the week to the public. So the rest of the week is only open by um, appointment. Strong move. So I think that that's prob- probably the way I'll go. So Mondays will be open to everybody, which is market day in the local village here. It's a good move. Um, and the rest of the week will be uh, by appointment by appointment only. Nice. So, I think that's a great idea. That's an awesome idea. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 exciting stuff. It's exciting. So we're actually planning the the signage outside and uh, you know the painting of the exterior of the shop and that kind of thing. And it's it's a very old sort of traditional French shop you know the it used to be jewelers many 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 years ago so it's got that old sort of french signage that kind of thing so we're trying to recreate that but still keeping the same branding that i've got so we're going with that sort of pseudo 3d sort of french hand-painted look of the sign it should, it should nice. look really cool should look That's really great. cool so, Love it. what about yourself jeff have you thawed out yet this past week has been the most <laughs> mind-numbingly crazy week of all time. And last episode, I was alluding to going to this. Uh, I'm doing this, <clears throat> did this demo on this frozen lake. Um, it was it's a Hollywood. It was a Hollywood event. And after I left the podcast and went home, I just kind of relaxed, took a nap because I was going to be on the ice all night. So basically, just to recap, I was asked to be uh, to demo at this Hollywood party in uh, on this frozen lake, and I and I brought my anvil. Uh, to this lake. They set me this area up in the middle of the lake, far from where the party is. Um, I brought my anvil over there and a small <laughs> swage block and my forge and stuff like that. So they let me know that the staff meeting was going to be at three o'clock on Saturday. So I didn't, but the event wasn't going to start till the night. They wanted me to be there. So I showed up. I kind of just kind of looked over. My my anvil was overnight on the ice. So it was ice. It was whatever the temperature was, my anvil was the same temperature, which concerned me. And then uh, we went to the staff meeting. There was it was catered by a very very famous restaurant in New York. So there was you know this house was taken over by this you know Michelin star restaurant. So there were you know it was fat it was amazing. And then I went to the, there was tons of staff and stuff like that. And we had a staff meeting and they said we don't want you to come out this time and not that time. So I had to kind of like cool my jets until you know seven o'clock. They didn't want anyone on the ice till seven because they wanted the people at the party to be surprised. So I had to like kind of I luckily I knew a neighbor, so I hung out with the neighbor for a while and then I went on the ice at seven. And it was the moon was out, it was about twenty-eight degrees, and then I had to they were gonna they had they said, Do you want a radio? And I said, I don't, what I don't know, what do I want a radio for? So you can hear what the the plan is. It was a very uh, choreographed, you know, when everything starts. Mm. And um 
And I was like, no, I, what the hell do I need that for? You tell me when you want me to turn the forge on and I'll start working. So I'd already prepped a lot of stuff because I wanted to make sure that the demo was going to be, people were going to see what I was doing. And then I was on the ice doing nothing from seven till about 10 o'clock. And that was rough. It was really cold and I was, you know, warming and everything. And then I got a message. A friend of mine was at the party and he let me know that uh, Hugh Jackman was there. Wow. So I said, so I said, you, you, you got to do whatever it takes to get him down to me. And he's, well, we'll see what happens. And then I was just like, yeah, that's cool. But I just kind of, I had to be like, all right. My job is to, you know, be this kind of strange entertainment on the middle of the ice. <laughs> so 10 o'clock rolls around. Um, <clears throat> they had musicians with you know, brass instruments with fire coming out of the tubas and the trombones. And they had they had lights underneath the ice and they had a DJ and they had, you know, bonfires. And then everything started up at 10. And then I started forging and I would have people trekking over to me and – all of a sudden, I had I figured, you know, people aren't going to be watching. People don't like to watch a demo all the way through because it takes a long time. So I prepped a lot of stuff so I wasn't, you know, I already forged out where the, my, my tangs so they would fit in my tongs easy. I had a pile of those. I had, a, you know, all the bottle openers ready. And then I had one knife that I would just, when I saw people kind of coming towards me, I'd stick this one knife that was close to me and finish the forge. So, you know, there's no lights and I would pull it out and then I would work on that and I could explain things and that you really want to give that big blast. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, one group of people came and another group of people came and then, you know, it was cold. So they go somewhere else. And then all of a sudden there was Hugh Jackman standing in front of me while I was demoing. And Wolverine. He, yeah, yeah. He looked, you know, it was, he was a super cool guy. I, you know, I grew up in New York and when I was a kid, you know, the whole thing was you don't really like – don't make a big thing with these people. They just want to live their lives. So I just decided, you know, he was with a group. I didn't want to make a big thing. So I just kept on and I was explaining it. And the funny thing was I told them to make stanchions so people wouldn't get too close because, you know, people don't, you know, they want to get close. Hmm. So all of a sudden, Hugh Jackman was about like two feet from the anvil. And oh, I nice. pulled the knife out of, this, of the forge and I got pictures coming because we're getting them cleared. I'm very excited. I didn't ask for a picture, but they had a photographer there, and I saw the photographer, and I made sure that I was in a good position to get some pictures. And they told me <laughs> they're clearing the picture, so this isn't, you know, poor shit. So the funny thing was is I didn't really acknowledge his existence except for, you know, he was a regular person, but he was really close. And I said, excuse me, sir, could you just mind backing up a little bit? And, and he just was super nice, and I said, you know, because if you touch this, it's going to be the worst day of your life. You know, this hot piece of knife, and it was really kind of cool. And I gave him a bottle opener. I gave everybody a bottle opener, and he was he was super um, thankful. And then I, you know, I gave everyone bottle openers, and it was all these movie people. So they all Game of Thrones this, and you know, you must like Game of Thrones. And I don't like <laughs> Game of Thrones, and it's not really for me. And then I will say one last thing. So I I, I forged till about one thirty, and then ice is weird because it starts to move a little bit. So all these booming sounds started happening. Oh. Mm. And once at around 1.30, like, there's these booming noises, these booming noises. I guess that there's, like, flex. I don't know how it works, but they said, don't worry, it's okay. And it's one boom came right on me, and I was like, all right. I shut the forge off. I'm like, you can get the fuck out of here. So, so I left. But the funny thing was, was I, uh, I forged. So I forged from about uh, 10 o'clock to it's about 1.30. And I was out there since seven, and I went into the to go to the you know in the in the house at one point, and I saw some friends of mine who were Hollywood guys, and one guy says to me, "You know what you should do? I you know what you should do? <laughs> you, know, you know what you should do?" He says, "I'm gonna need 
I'm going to need you to make something with Elvin Silver. So I'm looking at him like, who's Elvin Silver? He goes, no, 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 no. Who's well, Elvin Silver? He's like, I, so I'm thinking this is Guy. I'm like, what, who's Elvin Silver? And he goes, no, you don't, you don't read any books? And I'm looking at him like, what are you talking about? I'm frozen, by the way. He's like, you don't read any books? You need to read Lord of the Rings. Elvin Silver. I'm like, Elfin, Elvin, Elvish. What, what are you talking? And then I just looked at him because I remember. I looked at him like, I'm like, you need to. I'm doing real stuff here. Don't, I don't need, don't give me all this nonsense. I mean, come on, come on. I, I'm doing real stuff out on the ice. If you want some real stuff, come out on the ice. You want to read your books, go ahead and read your books. So it was great and it was amazing. And there were other people there that I don't really, I didn't recognize. And, um, and it was a great experience. I, I, the next day I had to take everything up. And then Monday I took the day off because I was exhausted. And look, it was something that will never happen again. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So, yeah. Crazy. Good times. That sounds Tired like so much fun. Exhausted. It was weird. It was really hard because it was like the hardest part was my anvil was, you know, it was the, temp, it was the temperature of the air, which was 28 degrees. So what my luckily for me, the, the forge was working great. But, I mean, I wasn't – I get three or four hits before I'm losing that heat. And yeah, it's sucking it's it right now. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. This, this, the, 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 the anvil <laughs> was, was so cold. I was afraid that, you know – so I was constantly taking pieces of steel and heating them up and just laying them on the face in between heats mm. just to try to heat it up. And look, I, I, the move was – the best move was to do 100 percent preparation so people could see what I was doing. And I did that. So I, I got the – you know, I, I just posted a picture of me looking like a mental patient with um, you know, a hot knife coming out. There's a lot of that. They, they wanted the boom bang. They didn't want the – you know, they didn't int- – they weren't interested in the beginning stages. So I, I made yeah, it happen. Yeah. They were happy and – it was uh, quite an experience. Did you do any of the uh, the water on the anvil move where it makes that loud popping sound my, and my blasts ice, the scale? My ice, my my water bottle froze right next to me. There was oh, not shit. a lot of time for cold water, <laughs> and that was the scariest part. When I started packing up, I grabbed my water bottle and it froze right next to me. So it was like, God, if I wasn't prepared, if I wasn't, I had like layers of long johns on and double socks, and I had my you know you know oil rigger boots and. I'll tell you what the key was, was I this old trick I used to do when I was an installer was I used uh, latex gloves because mm. they don't let your they don't let your hands <clears throat> and so your hands sweat a little bit and, and that was the only way I was gonna be able to keep my fingertips warm because yeah. it was it was getting I mean twenty eight degrees for a couple hours. It's terrifying. Yeah. So no, no, I didn't do. There, I, I was too afraid that I was gonna like. I was too afraid of how cold it was. So I didn't know. I, I was. I should have done that. I, but no one had safety glasses either. So I was like, I was trying. I don't want to like. Oh, yeah, it's just yeah, what I yeah. need to. No, that's to, fair. To, to to burn down some uh, you know Hollywood star. You know, set them off. I had to push back. I had to push Wolverine back. I had to push Wolverine back with his. I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna light your jacket on fire, Wolverine. I'm gonna light your jacket's about to get lit up. You better move back. That's great, man. What a quick, I mean, it was just, well, and it's opportunities like that, that come up that, like you've said before, you, you got to say yes more often than you say no. Otherwise people are going to stop asking and shit like this happens. And, you know, maybe nothing comes of it like the Epicurious thing, um, other than 3 million views, by the way. Uh, but, but you never know. You just don't know when that one moment is going to hit that you connect with the right person and your shit blows the fuck up. You just but don't you know. can't. But I didn't also didn't do it. You know, that's the thing. It's like I was paid to do this. 
So yeah. there was like I, I wasn't really I wasn't I didn't make it like a booth. I did. I, sure, this sure. was an event. This wasn't like a like a like a farmers market or a makers fair. So it wasn't really I wasn't really there to advertise what I'm doing. But you know, I, I it, and, and also the thing is is I try not to do these things hoping or like you know really depending on something happening. I just like just do your thing. Just no, try to do the best you can. The key I, is is I'm the with key you. is is being super. Oh my man, my man. The key is is to be as organized as possible, and then you know, you yeah. just you know, I, I just take every opportunity I can get within reason. Yeah, you know, within reason. You know, I'm not. You know, however, I did afterwards. I was schlepping this 120 pound anvil around. I was just like, this, I'm too old for this bullshit. So I actually ordered from my, my buddy Jesse had a 70 pound anvil that I'm going to buy just in case, and I'm going to scale down so this is something more manageable. I got everything in my car. And I wanted like to be able to do demoing easier. Yeah. Because sure. now the, the the company that did it wants to do me have me do it in a, do this again in another event. You know, like a in like a, a like a, a quarry. They they have some cave they're going to do an event, and they'd love to have me forging in this cave. <laughs> oh so, my god. So I I'm like you know in my mind I'm thinking about how would I make this easier. So like instead of bringing the swage block, I'm actually going to make these plates that I can pass. I could do drift passes easier. You just with the anvil instead of a, a swage block, um, and you know figuring out ways I can make it easier for me to do it without it being you know sure to schlep all your stuff and how many tongs do I need and what do I need to do and just kind of make it a little bit more compact. So you're going to become a pro- you're going to become more of a performance artist now instead of a metal artist. <laughs> You know what? You might be right. I, I tell you what, it was it was one of those it's one of those things that like we've done, I've done Maker Fair. We're going to do Maker Fair again. The Modern Forge guys, we all got invited to do something else. Um, yeah, for sure. Up in with Jimmy Duresta, we're going to do something with him. And you know, I figuring out ways to make you know a good experience better. Um, you know, we're just trying to we're trying to streamline it so it's not so physically demanding. If I was twenty years old, I'd you know bring the shop out. You know, I'd bring the whole shop. But now it's right. like unloading all the stuff on it you know after no sleep it's like ugh. that's what cliff and john are for cliff and john bring the when they go anywhere it's like three tons of stuff it's crazy but regardless <laughs> it was a great experience i appreciate it it was fun i'm hoping i'm crossing my fingers as we speak that these pictures uh arrive and i'm gonna post them up and it was you know look the, and the other thing is, is these people have no idea what we're doing. So you got to make it, you got to make it, you got to blow their doors off. Right. Well, I want to take a second and talk about our sponsor. <laughs> That's a terrible segue. Sorry about that. All right. No, no, no you made it happen. No. <laughs> I, I'm still, I'm, I need to practice or figure out how to do that more, uh, more successfully like Craig. Craig's. Craig's the man at it. But uh, this I'm going to be the one talking about AMK this week, and you can go find them at amktactical.com. But AMK Concepts, they're on Instagram. They make these uh, grinders. They make 2x72-inch grinders. They also make other – they make a, a vertical. They make a horizontal. Um, and they're, they're like a family-operated business. Um, shoot, I can't remember where they're at. But they're just, I, I've talked to the owner myself personally, and he's a really great guy. And they're just, they're really interested in designing and building um, grinders that are meant for knife makers. And I think they do a really good job doing that. And if you go to their website, 
and you're ready to get a hold of a 2x72, you can put in the code, in all caps, AMK10. That'll save you 10% on any of your purchases from them. It has to be cop, uh, all capitals. Uh, as Jeff mentioned last week, Cliff had some problems with uh, the code working when he did lowercase. But uh, you can get their AMK77, which is a single speed, 2x72-inch. It's got the, ro uh, the rotating tooling arm that transitions between a flat platen and a 12-inch uh, serrated wheel. Uh, and that get, is cool. I, I saw Neil Kamamura do a video this week of him changing the platen to the contact wheel. Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure he did it within about five seconds. And that's with yes. the belt running. So we turned it off, flipped it over, back to work. It was incredible. No yeah. wrenches, no nothing. Just no. He just made it happen. Yeah. No, it's it's super quick. But they have the, that that uh, AMK77 for $1399.99. Uh, so just under $1,400, you can get a hold of a sweet grinder. And that's that's a really good price. Like in, And right now in today's market to get a hold of a grinder like that is it, it that's an amazing price so but if you get in there and you pump in the code amk10 that'll save you a 10 extra uh or 10 percent on the purchase and so you're getting it for even less and so yeah i'm just i i love the machine i'm actually getting ready i forged out a bunch of damascus this last week um to do some videos of using that grinder finally um because finally since that damn knife isn't giving me so much trouble um so i'm gonna i'm gonna get on there grinding and uh it I, i'm pretty excited for it to just blast all the scale off and do everything i need it to do basically Nice. And the code also works for if you're getting contact wheels or whatever they're selling. That the code uh, AMK10 is good for whatever they're selling. So you don't have to buy a grinder to get the 10 percent off. Get yourself right. some contact yeah, wheels yeah. or whatever they're selling. They're, they're awesome. It's it's a really they're super generous and you know this is fantastic. Yeah, it's been great this week seeing some of our listeners posting pictures of them getting their new stuff. You know from our sponsors, which is brilliant yeah. because. We're helping you guys out with the discounts. And if you can just keep on telling us when you're buying stuff, the sponsors are aware of it and it works well for everybody. It has been, I'm overwhelmed by the, by the, uh, you know, our, when we, you know, our, our, our listeners are being super, super supportive of the show by using the, the our sponsors. And when you do that, you put us in your stories or you put them in your stories or you get your, you know, your belts or you get your whatever. It helps us. It helps us with our sponsors, which helps us do a better show. Well, and I think it, it for the listeners too, if they're savvy and they're trying to grow their audience, you know, it's not a bad move to, you know, when you get a hold of your AMK grinder or if you get a hold of your con uh, combat abrasives to tag us up and have us turn around and share that uh, to yeah. our networks. We always and, do that. We always Yeah, do no, that. and I think it's, I'm actually surprised that more people don't do it. <laughs> Right, because well, you're trying to gain exposure. I mean, that's the whole game, especially as if as a knife maker trying to sell work. You know, more eyeballs, the better. But anyways, that's it. So, that's listeners, that. we've we've been talking about our listeners posting pictures of their new kit and so on. But we've got tips from our listeners. We've asked this week for rather than us try to give tips, which you know we're we're not geniuses. We're just three guys behind a mic. We've asked for your tips. So if you've got a tip that can help any other maker out there. Send it through to us. And we've had quite a few this week. So, Jeff, do you want to take the first one? Yeah, absolutely. And with this said, when you submit anything to us, we'd love to read it. But the best ones are the most condensed. So if you oh, want to yeah. really make sure that you get on to the – we read off your podcast. 
you've got to edit yourself because some of these I've had to I've I mean you got some of you guys I mean it's like you're sending me like you know like a, a chapter from a book I mean it's like you got to make it don't you just make it happen and with that said I'm going to read off with the first tip from Nate Zimmerman Zim Knives this is his tip it's quick and to the point put a fucking bolt on your drill press now I know what he's talking about so we talk about that when you're using the drill, um, you're, you don't want your knife to slip out of your hand and it turns into a helicopter and it ties it, it like yeah. binds to the the drill bit. What he does is he puts like a bolt sticking up through on the table of the drill press table. Right. And then what'll happen is is if your drill is is spinning clockwise, clockwise, it'll 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 stop on the bolt and it won't it, it, the bolt will prevent it from helicoptering up the drill press. That is a strong move. Yeah. Not. Good viewer tip. It's a good move. Our next one's from – actually, back to that Zim Knives. I was confused when I saw what he's uh, – saw his question. I had no idea what he's talking about, but that I, totally, it totally makes sense. That's a good move. That's a good yeah. move. All right. Black Coffee Woodworking says, use an, electrical, or an electric griddle with a piece of parchment paper to heat kydex for sheath making. You can work with larger pieces of kydex, and it's a great alternative to the toaster oven. I've actually seen uh, – I met a guy who's a knife maker back in Olympia, Washington. That is exactly what he does. And you can get those yeah. uh, gr- electric griddles for like, you know, 30, 40 bucks – at Ace Hardware whenever they're doing holiday sales and stuff like that. And they're narrow, they're easy to store, but it sound like from what I understand, you know, if you're trying to do the bigger things like that, uh bigger sheets, it's it's a sweet way to go. Um, That's the only reason why I got one because I usually use a toaster oven because the way I cut my Kydex, I have enough to fit in the toaster oven. I don't have to go bigger than the size. And actually yeah. I actually but I had to do a brisket knife. I'm going to have to do another brisket knife. And because mm. the blade was so long, I couldn't fit all that kydex into the toaster oven. Right. So I did get a griddle. I do like the idea of the parchment paper. One of the things about kydex is you gotta you got to be on it. You can't just walk away from it. It'll, it'll sure. melt on you. It'll, it'll melt on you. So I do like that. But I'm going to do that. Uh, that I'm going to use that uh, parchment paper the next time I uh, do my – I'm doing a 12-inch brisket knife coming up. I'm going to definitely do that. Do that trick. That's a good well, trick. Well, it, it helps save the griddle top so you can grill up a grilled cheese in between Kydex sheets. Oh, look at you. <laughs> You're multitasking, baby. You're multitasking. You're going to have a thermoform sandwich. <laughs> oh my God. We've got another from Mac Greens on Instagram. Um, his tip is a, a good CO2 detector in garages when forging mm. in the winter and the doors closed, as well as the need for a couple of good fire extinguishers around the shop. And if you're using cooking oil as a quench fluid, it'd also be good to have a Class K, or ABC in the U.S., extinguisher as well. Yeah, extinguisher. Safety first. Safety first. You know, that dude up in Albany burned his whole joint down. He could have used a couple couple ABC uh, exhaust fans. And I will say with – I mean, extract – extinguishers, I will say that that's the one thing about um, the the, uh, forges that – Ventilation is, I mean, beyond critical. I lo- I did get a CO two detector for that reason because I actually was in a shop once and we almost, you know, we almost killed Darren Fisher, poor Darren Fisher. Um, <laughs> we, it was super cold and we didn't open the windows. There was not enough ventilation in those those gas forges. They they eat the oxygen and spit out carbon dioxide and it changes. It can change the environment at the shop very very quickly. And you don't realize it because your body starts to slowly adjust to the lack of oxygen. 
And then if you leave the room and then you come back in, all of a sudden you're just like, what is going on? So yeah. carbon dioxide, a CO2 detector is a strong move. Plopper ventilation, please, please. All right, the next one comes from Gardener Fabrication. My super simple tip is clock your mosaic tw- mosaic pins. A nice knife with pins out of alignment make your knives look cross-eyed. <laughs> what you do is you slot one end and turn them with a screwdriver. And I didn't understand what clocking was, but then all of a sudden when I read it, it made a lot of sense. So he makes the mosaic pins. He cuts them down so they can be fit. And then he'll um, slot. He'll make a mm-hmm. slot on one side so he can actually use a screwdriver to turn the like pin a in the direction. Yeah, yeah, flathead screwdriver, so we can tip. turn yeah. the yeah, so we can turn the pin um, the direction that he wants. It's a, it's an awesome tip, awesome mm. tip. Because what I Better. tend to do with mosaic pins, I just cut them that little bit bigger. Then I put the my, my trusty, you know, my my plumber's pipe grips, and yep. I just twist them so they're Love so they're straight. <laughs> but I mean, this way you're gonna have a lot less waste. You can use your pin, which is much smaller, but just oh for sure, slot in. Yeah, so you only good need call. like a. Yeah, three sixteenths. You only need like three sixteenths. No, that's a good move. That, when I worked for Bob, that was definitely uh, he has a mosaic pin that's the three dots inside the circle. And if those ever got off a little bit, we uh, we would do the same thing that Craig was doing: is we'd keep the pins just a little long so that we could use a little uh, wrench to kind of torque it a little bit to get it in alignment. But yeah, that is is definitely one of the worst. I don't know. It's it's just those small details. Uh, that you that really is going to help your work stand apart, and maybe you don't notice it, but or maybe customers won't. Nec- not all the customers will notice it, but but people do notice that stuff over time, and it's just those little things that people should pay attention to when they're making their knives. It makes a big difference. Yeah, I would I would never have I've never I've never used mosaic pins, but I, that that makes so much sense to just put a little slot in there so you can just adjust your direction yeah. of the of the slots. Terrific, fantastic. And yeah. Especially if you've got those like, weird things. With, with mosaic pins, I generally have them so they're aligned, so they're all facing up. So, you know, from mm. either side of the knife, they're facing up. But I'm working with a restaurant at the moment, and I've got some of these really sort of custom mosaic pins. I'm not sure how they do it, but I've got the logo of the restaurant within the pin. And okay. I've outsourced these. I've, 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 I used sure. the company, and they did it. They must use some sort of laser. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. But this really doesn't look right when I've got the logo facing up for some reason. If I if I have it facing, if you're looking at the blade sort of straight in front of you, if I have it right. 90 degrees to the right, so it's going up the up the handle, up the scale, it mm. seems to look so much better. And it, it's weird, whereas my normal mosaic pins, they're facing up. But these ones, because it's the logo, it's it's quite strange. It looks far better going down the down the scale if that makes sense oh yeah i've seen those crazy mosaic pins that you're talking about they have super fine details in them they use what's called edm which is electro discharge machining and they have a tiny filament and i think the maximum they can do is about two inches two and a half inches and it runs an electrical current through it and it grounds out in the material and it removes material and so it can it can machine with a a kerf of maybe only about a thousandth or two thousandths of an inch which is Mm. insanity Um, it's impressive stuff it's super cool so the one that i'm that i've got the actual logo it's got a piece so i mean the way you've just described it you you can imagine it being almost sort of stencil like that if you had you know a dot to a knife for example it would need to be connected in some way 
but for some reason it's not i don't know how they i can't get my head around how they've done it i've got this this dot which is perfectly placed but it's not attached to the rest of this what i call a carving you know of, of, of the yeah logo. it's incredible I, I just yeah it's blown my mind and and the, the quality is perfect they're yeah. very very good good deal huh. All right. Well, the next one is from Hillside Forge. He says, I hand forge to music with a faster beat and do my best to keep rhythm. It tends to help me work smoother and more efficiently. Uh, That reminds me of working in restaurants, actually. (laughs) We always had crazy music playing. And uh, the part of it was, you know, you got to get shit out. And so part of that was to help kind of try to establish uh, a sense of rhythm. But the one, the music that always messed me up is a, a guy that we had working with us loved improvisational jazz and it drove me fucking crazy because it's all over the fucking place and I just could not get into a good rhythm and it always messed me up. I will say that when I was, uh, I was a student of Uri Hoffi, he, he said the importance of having rhythm when you're forging because, you know, you have a very, very finite amount of time when your steel is hot and forgeable so you really have to be as efficient as possible and part of that is keeping a rhythm that's why every time you sometimes you'll see you'll notice when somebody's forging they'll hit the few times and then they'll instead if they're looking to kind of change direction maybe they'll they'll tap the anvil a couple times that's supposed to be a lot of guys do it because they think it's cool but a lot of times that is um the way to keep your rhythm uh, when you're swinging, because you really don't have a lot of time, and you're trying to maximize the amount of time that you have forging. Um, it's also with forging; it's a, it, that tapping is also a rhythm that's a communication for your striker. When you have striking teams, like mm. uh, you'll they'll have like a, it'll it'll be a rhythm, and it'll be a system of when the master striker, whoever's holding the piece, will tap a couple times. Two times means to hit. One time means to stop. Maybe they'll they'll kind of like graze the top of the anvil, and then that'll mean we're done. And then that that kind of tells your it's a it's a rhythmic way to tell your striker how to go. So rhythm is like way more important to like real traditional and you know efficient and effective blacksmithing. So I'm with him. You know that's that that is critical critical. But sometimes you see some of these guys and they're slapping the anvil. And they're just like doing it because they think that's what you're supposed to do. But it really comes from this system of being in rhythm, and you're 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 you know you're moving in a rhythmic way. So that's cool to know. Move. I was just gonna say really quick, it's cool to know because I I always I do that, but it's not conscious for me. It's just I'm just resting my hammer off to the side, and yeah. it's just bringing it down to the side causes it to, you know, tap a couple times while I'm looking at my work and deciding where I'm going to go next. But it's not necessarily... No, that's right. I'm not trying to... Or I've never consciously, consciously thought, I need to keep in rhythm. It's just well, that's a the, habit that's the, more than anything. But that habit is, is part of the rhythm. I mean, that rhythm, that's the rhythm of, your, of, that, of that particular heat that you're doing. It's also a way to kind of keep you, keep you rolling in a way that you want to be in that flow state. You don't want to, when you're, when you're forging, you don't want to be thinking every hit. You can't hesitate. So you have to constantly keep working and that rhythm keeps you there. And when you kind of put your, you unconsciously put your hammer down on the anvil, you're keeping within the rhythm of that particular heat and how you work. So there's yeah. nothing, I'm just saying once in a while you'll see somebody and then if they're, if they're hitting once or hitting twice and then they're hitting the anvil, it's, it's like, it's a kind of like a little posery, but it's part of the whole idea. And I do it. Sometimes I do it. I actually do it a lot. But it's it's you know it's it is 
the rhythm of that particular heat. So it makes a lot of sense. It's, you don't have a lot of time. Strike while the iron's hot. You know, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> you know, I, I read this as I hand forged a music with a faster beat. So I'm thinking, does it get faster like each day? So imagine like on a Monday, you've got some, <laughs> he's got some slow ballad yeah. on a Monday, but by Friday, like he's some, some yeah. crazy electronic techno like off his face. Just... Well, at, uh, at 28 degrees outside, I, I was hard to keep any kind of rhythm. Actually, that how, how fast I was losing the heat of the steel, it was really hard to get really going. It really fu- it threw me off a lot. Hmm. So I'm not surprised. Okay, we've got another from Firebeard Forge. Um, and this one I don't fully understand, so I'm hoping you guys can explain a bit more to me. So he's got a quick tip for those doing pinned hidden tang knives. And he said, if you put an aggressive taper on your pin material, you won't have a problem with the pin getting caught up in the tang hole. So I understand that, that's fine. But it then says it'll pass on through and snug everything up as it goes, and it won't chip any b- bits of wood out when it gets to the other side. So if he's putting an aggressive taper... D- Am I reading this right now? He's going to have a smaller hole on one side and a larger hole. Well, I do this too, and it really because I pins can be especially when you're talking about like very thin pins. Sometimes if you're drilling too hard or your material, sometimes your your drill bit drifts off a little bit, especially if you're talking about like a sixteenth or an eighth. Hmm. So what I do is I'll cut my pins and then I'll grind them to like a pencil point. And then what happens is, is if it's not tight, what you're doing is, is you're kind of like ta- it tapers through and it kind of gets all the way through without you're not fighting the pinholes. So because that what happens is, especially you know with holes in general, is you put you, you don't you don't put one in all the way because it's, it might throw the last hole off. So if you have that, if you have your pins tapered. You're getting it all the way through, and it's like it's like um, the way ironworkers use uh, those um, those spud wrenches to kind of line up your holes. You're basically it's it's a tapered. It's not the the exact dimension of your pin. So if you taper them, they kind of like make their way through. In regards to chipping out, I mean I understand, but it, it basically it's the fastest way to get your pins in. And I I add that I actually put my pins in like that with my. Um, my drill, like I'll put the pin, the tapered pin in, in the drill and I'll use it like a drill. I'll, I'll drive it in like a screw. Mm. So you're talking bolts, not pins. Am I right? He's talking pins. He's not talking bolts. He's talking pins. But I still don't concept. understand. So All right. All surely, right. okay, so you've got one side which is thicker than the other. Right. So when you're looking at the finished knife then, you're going to have a smaller pin head. No, 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 no. You, you go, you only, you only, you only, make it tapered only like a, enough to just kind of drive it through. And then you drive it all the way through past where the taper is. I see. So it's only about so, like, uh, you're for only Craig, using it'd that, be like four millimeters of the uh, pin would be tapered aggressively. Four millimeters, four millimeters, make everything great. Four <laughs> millimeters is just about, about 1164. Thank you very much. All right. So, what you're doing is, is you're only going that you only you're only using that you're sacrificing the first uh, three sixteenths of an inch, <laughs> right? Exactly. No, my man. You're, yeah, you're only sacrificing that just to kind of drive them through. Got you. So you cut that off, yeah. and you've still got the full thick. Got you. Got you. Boom. Okay. Yeah, because you don't because you can't you can't just take a flat <clears throat> pin and expect it to not tear everything out too. Like yeah. if you if you're just trying to drive that pin through, you might blow out at the end. But if yeah. you taper that last bit, and you're going to sacrifice that, you know, whatever. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, I generally yeah, put like a small, 
a small chamfer on the end of it, and you know, but this makes more sense. Well, that's the same thing. I mean, that's the same thing. It's just just a little bit more aggressive. And I tell you what, it does drive them through a lot faster. I like that. That tip is that's something I do very much. And but I don't like I and I make them. And if you use it, if you put your pin in a drill and you actually drive it through like a drill bit, you'll get a tighter. You can get a tighter fit. You're not fighting it. You don't want to fight them. You don't want to. That's a good move. Never fight. Never fight the pins. Do you really quick, Jeff? Do you key your pins when you do little pins like that? And what I mean by that is just while you have it chucked up in your drill, just hit it really quick, light and gently with like 220 grit to just give it a little bit of a tooth. Yes, that's the move. Yeah, because because the brass especially, you don't want to hold on to anything. You're right. That's exactly what I do. So while it's in the thing, I just get a little piece of uh, paper, sandpaper, just to scuff it up. I pull the trigger. And then I rub it a little bit on the sandpaper with the drill press. I don't know, with the drill press. I rub with the sandpaper to kind of, yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> I went a little far off the path on that one. But yes, the answer is yes. Yeah. Good tips. Good cool. tips. So if anybody has any more tips, send them through to us. Again, I got a tip. Keep them short. Go for it. Go for it. I got a tip. You need to go to Combat Abrasives. And you got to get your 10% off on all your belts. And on all your other stuff, they have other supplies besides belts. They're abrasive belts. I just got a big store, a pack of them. Um, they have very good prices on um, your belts and all your other stuff. But if you put in the promo code Knife Talk Ten, you get ten percent on your belts, on your discs, epoxies. They think they have stabilized woods. It's a great way to support the podcast and get some value. Some people have been uh, posting pictures um, of their orders. And it's been great, and they're super pumped, and you know it's a great way to for us to figure out a way to get you guys a little bit of savings. So that's it. Combat abrasives. Follow them on Instagram, Combat Abrasives, and Knife Talk Ten is the promo code for ten percent off. And that's at CombatAbrasives.com. Boom. Boom. Craig's Community Showcase. This is the part of the podcast where we give some love to uh, fellow makers in the community uh, who we admire, who inspire us, who we think could use some more love and and recognition. And so Craig's going to kick us off. Who do you got uh, this week, Craig? I've got Josh Hyatt. Um, Great knife maker. But the the reason I'm sort of highlighting him, really, he's an perfect example of community within the within the knife making world so josh is very active on the knife talk forum i'm going to some some of you may know that there's a knife being built by forum members and by listeners um and somebody's doing one part of the knife then passing on to the next person they're doing a part of the knife until we've got a finished knife and then we're going to raffle that off and it's going to a charity um so it's it's real fun and this this knife is starting really starting to come to life now it's starting to look good but um, Josh is, is is doing a stage of this knife, and he noticed that the next stage of the knife was Chad Kimmel. And they, they'd never spoken before, but they realized on the forum that they live close to each other. So they, Josh had actually gone to Chad's workshop, or maybe the other way around. Not quite sure. But they worked together for the day on this knife. And it's really nice to see this This is this is proper community. You know, this is people working together now. For sure. So it, it's Josh Hyatt, which is J-O-S-H-H-I-E. E-T-T. Um, go and check out his work on Instagram. Awesome. Love awesome. It. Well, I, I wanted to pick someone who really exemplifies a way to make it happen. And um, it's this uh, amazing bladesmith, and her name is uh, 
Vanessa Johnson. Her her name of her comp- uh, her Instagram is Vanessa Knives. She makes beautiful Damascus. She makes beautiful uh, uh, integrals. Uh, integrals. She makes um, really nice knives, and she's she's cracked the code on being able to being a full time maker and have some money and make what you want. She's a part time uh, commercial fisherman, and so she fishes. She does commercial fishing. Um, part of the year, and that allows her to. I'm assuming, I'm making that assumption. I think they do pretty well. Those people on a boat, and then, um, then she's spending the rest of her time forging knives and making really beautiful hunters, uh, um, chef knives. Uh, she forges beautiful knives, and she's uh, uh, out in Alaska. Whatever she does, she's cracked. In my opinion, she's cracked the code on on life. She's figured it out. She's been. She's. <laughs> She's not beholden to uh, whatever she's doing, but at the same time, I don't know. Maybe, she, maybe I'm just making it all up. But she's fantastic, and she does great stuff for, as Vanessa Knives on Instagram. I was fortunate enough. So uh, I met her at Blade Show last year, and and got to see some of her work firsthand. And she just she really does really clean work, and she's. Up in Alaska, she's very fortunate also to uh, – she's she works with the DeRosiers who um, we've talked about a couple times or mentioned a couple times on the show. But Adam and Haley DeRosiers are a master, ABS Mastersmith uh, knife-making, bladesmithing duo, um, and they're just – they're some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life, and they're in, in ridiculously talented and – it just I can't imagine her doing anything less than what she's already doing right now because of their tutelage and their them being the mentors and the and the amazing people they are. So yeah, she does really, really awesome work. And you know, she and she's good at it. Like you can have mentors out the Yahoo, but if you're not good at it, then you're not gonna get very far. But she, she picked she's she uh she's picked it up and she, She's really ran with it and and made it her own. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. She has a very good move uh, with Vanessa. So this week I'm giving uh, some community love to the Dre Stroyer. Uh, that is Andrea DeLeon. She is a knife maker. I believe she's out of Austin currently, but she she moves around. She was down in uh, uh, oh, there's an art school down in Cal- uh, South Carolina. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, it's like Pratt or something like that. Do you know what that is, Jeff? <laughs> you should know the artist, yes, man. Yes, it's uh, art school, or are you talking about? Uh, 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 give me a minute. Go ahead, keep going. It's like a craft school. Anyways, they do glass. She does. Oh, Penland. She was the Penland. 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 Yes, sorry. Penland. Totally screwed that up. Anyways, Penland. Uh, she also spent some time out in LA doing work, and she just she's on this rampaging journey of learning all these incredible. Uh, skills, artisanal skills, and and transitioning, uh, uh, I guess, translating it into in, in an artful way. And she plays, uh, or she she does glass work. She does jewelry work. She does all these crazy ass castings. I don't even really understand how it works. But she makes these uh, this jewel, all kinds of jewelry out of it, or or just um, yeah, I don't know. Her knives are really cool though. She, I think she, uh, I I think I'm glad that you gave some love to Vanessa because. I think more more women um, need to be uh, kind of put on blast uh, as to the work that they're doing because you know it. This isn't a a game. The knife making game doesn't require that you have to be a man because you have to be super strong. You know, this is a finesse game, and I think 
I think I wish more women were actually doing the uh, were in knife making because I think they would really, really, really change the whole way that things work because otherwise we wouldn't be stuck. I mean, Bowie knives are great, but we've been stuck on Bowie knives for over 50 years. Let's figure <laughs> it the fuck out and let's do some other shit. So, um, yeah. So go check out her, uh, her handle on Instagram is the T H E D R E S T R O Y E R the Dre Stroyer. Check her out. And we have, we have links to each of these accounts we've mentioned in the show notes at knifetalk.net. And just to let you know, Penland uh, is an awesome place. And shout out to Penland. They have incredible uh, blacksmithing classes and metalworking classes. And one of the teachers who used to be uh, at the Center for Metal Arts is this incredible sculptor. And her her name is Vivian Beers. She's Mm. an amazing metalworker. She does incredible stuff uh, with a lot of – it's a a great school. And and it's – Penland, shout out to Penland. Yeah, I saw a little mini doc on her. It was like a 20 or 30 minute thing, but her work, yeah, her work is yeah, super she's cool. A, she's a beast. She's fantastic. Yeah. Totally fantastic. There we <laughs> we All right. So basically, you know, we, we've had these funny little, you know, we talked about people, you know, you know what you should do. And uh, we decided <laughs> we're going to do once a week or once in a while. Who knows? Depends on what. Just to let you know, we, once in a while, somebody will slip into our DMs with a dumb request or they'll say something dumb or or they'll give us a suggestion or it's part of this whole, you know what you should do kind of thing. And so we're going to do today, we're going to do a little bit of thing someone called sliding into your DMs. And this one we're going to, we're going my, to, my man, Reco, is going to read somebody to slide into his DMs. Slide into the DMs. So uh, I'm not going to name the the sender, but this is the email that I got. Subject line says, hey, I was wondering about your knives. And then the body says, I work in fine in, sorry, I work in a fine dining industry in 22 years old. Sorry, I think he meant to say I'm 22 years old (laughs) and loved your Damascus knife. I live in Toronto and I do open concept kitchen shows every week. And, you know, the fancy knives tend to get some more attention uh, I was wondering if we could help each other out. Uh, I'm sorry, buddy, but I'm going to have to say, you know, after one of these shows, you know, you should go out, get a nice drink, uh, listen to some nice music, maybe go dancing, maybe go get some good food, go home, draw a nice hot bath, relax, Uh-oh. maybe throw some Here rose goes. petals in the incense and oh, oils, Uh-oh. and you can gently go fuck yourself because I'm not giving <laughs> you a goddamn thing. Oh Go my fumble God! Yourself. As a high, as a high, as a high level thing to say, a high level thing to say. Like these people, they think that these people, they think that do your do. Let's do each other a favor. Here's do your favor. Pay for a knife. That's it. Yeah. You know that's it. These people that it's 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 this it's a, it's like a scam. It's like this thing is like how oh, maybe totally. someone will fall for it. Maybe somebody will fall for this, or maybe I'm gonna make it seem like I'm so important that. That uh, he's going to say, oh, you know what? Life is going to change after I give 
you know, dickhead McGillicuddy a fucking knife. You know, it's just like it's so stupid. And these people are so stupid. And there's there is a couple guys who do that, and they go from one guy to the next. And they and and yeah. I actually used to I texted with uh, my buddy Tucker Paris a couple years ago from this guy who he said to me, um, give me this, like my my followers, and I, you never know, you never know, we can help each other out. And I and he did the same thing to Tucker, and it was just very much along the lines of. These guys, it's like us. It's like a scam. It's not a. I'm not an organized scam, but it's like you're rolling the dice, and maybe someone's going to say, "Oh, re-, you know, don't be desperate." Ugh, I hate these people. I'm hate sure them. we're going to see a lot of these over the coming weeks. Yes, yeah, don't. Yeah, slip into the DMs. Hey, listen, you slip into the DMs, we might read it, and and uh, and, and, and you might not. You might not get the response you like. So you know. <laughs> Rose petals, rose petals up the wazoo, uh, yazoo, right? We're gonna get that make it happen. Make it happen. That was a good one. Hey man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> so we've had tips from listeners, and this is well, us hopefully trying to give some tips back. So we've had quite a few this week. So Jeff, do you want to kick us off? Yes, this one comes from on Instagram. We usually use the names of people from Instagram. This is Jathan. And he says, hey, man, can I ask you a question? When do the economics of using a plasma or a water jet service start to make sense? Mm. That's a good, that's a good mm. question right there. Very good question, yeah. Because yeah. both of them are going to be different too. Yeah, So yeah. we just recently, um, Fader and I have started doing uh, water jet, um, our oyster knives, because we're trying to keep the price of the oyster knives low because at some point you have to, you know, and part of that is the labor. It's never the the cost of, of doing them. So um, I get my um, I get my uh, my oyster knives water jet cut. And the reason why I get a water jet cut in a second from uh, New Jersey Steel Baron. They have a water jet cutting service, and we're gonna you know we're gonna look in ways to which we can kind of pass along that savings. And you're taking out some of the labor. The reason why you want to go with water jet is because laser cutting. You're gonna have to normalize whatever you do. So I'm not. I don't know how you would normalize stainless steel. I don't know the correct way, but I don't want to do it because normalizing can you know it takes a while. So if you get a water jet cut, you're not heating the material up, and you don't have to normalize it. Obviously, if you're using, you know, stain, you know, I don't know if the difference in the price, but being able to use water jet is going to save you time in terms of thermal cycling and all that. But mm-hmm. it's it's based on where you want to be going and what you where you want to cut off. It's always a labor thing. It's always cutting down on the labor. So yeah. that's my but also. I mean, he's asking about the economics of it. I mean, there's obviously the labor. And I've done a video on this, which I put on YouTube about two weeks ago, talking about the reasons why I've done this for, for some of my knives. Um, but economically, I mean, you can also get big sheets of steel far, far cheaper than you can get, you know, the small strips. So I ordered big sheets of steel, which I sent to my cutter, um, which worked out far more economical than getting, you know, a little sort of two inch by, you know, 48 inch strip or whatever it may be. Um, and they can fit so much, so much more on. There's no wastage at all. They can fit so much more on onto onto a sheet. So economically, there's the labor. There's also the the amount of waste is far far less. Um, but with regards to you know when is a good time? When does it make sense? Um, it it depends. I mean, we we've talked about you know knowing your place in the market. Um, but I mean, it depends on how many of this of this one unit you're going to make. If you're making you know less than a dozen, it probably makes sense not to. But if you're doing more than a dozen, I mean, go for it. I mean, plasma's going to be cheaper than water jet. But as Jeff just mentioned, there's advantages to water jet as opposed to plasma. And I'm I'm, I'm reading plasma. I mean, is plasma the same as laser? I don't know. I I, I think well, it's they're heat, different. Yeah, pla- well, no, well, 
Well, plasma is what you'd see at like an auto place where they're, they're, it, it's, it's similar. It's not too dis- – I'm not going to get into the fly press thing, but it basically it heats the steel up <laughs> and blows it out. It blows it out in a much more controlled manner like a settling torch. So a plasma yes, yeah. is going to get the steel hot. Gotcha. Wherever your cut is, you're going to get hot. Yeah. Okay, cool. What, what do you think, uh, Mareko? What's, what's your thought on uh, the economics of it? Yeah, so I haven't really done that myself, but I, I do know that if you're going to go for it, uh, I, I would agree that over a dozen, I would say probably actually over a couple dozen would be where I would start saying, okay, maybe it makes more sense for somebody else to be doing this part of the work because the reality is, you know, what's more important than cutting out the knife is the actual design of the knife. And I think a lot of people get caught up when it's when it comes to semi-custom work of, oh, but you're not hands-on with that part of the process. And it's like, it doesn't fucking matter, realistically. That's the dumb bit. That's the dumb bit. There's not much skill involved in that bit. No, a monkey can do that shit. So anyways, pass on the stuff. And again, the opportunity is to create a more economically available product for people that is high-performing. And what's most important are the final touches, you know. What is how's like the final fit and finish the the way the blade sh- finish ground and and sharpen you know how are the contours how's everything meet up around the hand those are the more important touch points um, and all the roughing in basically and you know heat treat obviously of course but you know the roughing in of all the other stuff that's stuff that can get passed on but anyways I would say I probably wouldn't do it until I got past twenty four pieces. Um, because then at that point, you know, it makes more sense to then after having that, that batch sent out or hydro cut to then possibly have it sent somewhere else for the primary grinding before getting it to me so I can heat treat it the way I want to heat treat it and then continue on and finish grind and do the rest of the stuff myself. Um, but yeah, those those first couple processes aren't necessarily the most crucial to the to to, to the overall end product. And there are also companies that will um, water jet cut and heat treat because a lot of people don't heat a lot of people don't primary grind before the heat treat, but some people yeah. do. So you can actually kind of like lump it in with the heat treating too. Um, yeah, I I think it's great. You know, you basically the most important part is you got to get the file right. You get that, yeah. and, and so mm-hmm. we we I had actually had to do some uh, oyster knives in the first batch. They didn't come out just like my template. So I ended up having to, mm. uh, on the grinder, just trim some stuff, which was like, all right, I still saved some time. But, you know, we were just like, well, if we're going to pay for having water cut, they got they should be on the right side. And that was my fault. So we actually just readjusted one of our designs um, to be able to be able to call up and say I need 48 more or have a bucket full with them. And I can kind of like knock them out a little bit closer or I can actually have somebody I can I could actually we've made the uh talked about the fact that you know based on how we sell oyster knives we could have one per we could just pay for one person just on oyster knives and have them all water jet cut and all they need to do is just kind of ground heat treated and the handle put on um it's value it's worth it you know? yeah for sure all right our next question comes from Caleb Matthews on Instagram he says hey man can I ask you a question what are your thoughts on making a two by seventy-two inch grinder versus buying? Have you guys ever used a homemade? Can you get a homemade grinder to run the same? I'm a welder slash fabricator, but never used a two by seventy-two. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, if you're taking the game seriously, if you know, if you're making money by by uh, making knives, 
I think, you know, it's it's not that much of an investment to get a, you know, we talked about AMK earlier, you know, how right. how competitively priced their grinder is. I think if you were to source the, the motor and all of the steel and, and everything else, the plate and so on that you'd need, you're probably not coming far far off from that. I mean, there is this whole thing, you know, the experience of making it, and you know, which is great. But I think if you're, if you're taking the game seriously, I just think just go with it with something professionally made. Although sure. this guy does say he's a welder fabricator, you know, it depends on his skill set, I suppose. But personally, as, as somebody who's not a welder fabricator, it's a no-brainer for me. You just go and you get something professionally made. And like I said, if, you, if you're taking the game seriously and you, and you want this to be a career, whether it's part-time, full-time, whatever, it's not that much of an investment if you're going to be making knives off the back of it. I have a lot yeah. of friends who have built uh, grinders off of designs, and it's 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 sad. It, these guys do it for the satisfaction of it. Yeah, yeah, like my buddy Matt Paul made his own tire hammer, one of the most beautiful tire hammers I've ever seen. And with that said, he said I put way more into this tire hammer than I would have if I bought a little giant. So, um, and you know, I, some people like to build their own stuff. Cliff Dufton, who I've mentioned a million times, makes a beautiful grinder, but it's like. It's got you. Got to do it because you want to do it. You're not you're not saving your time or energy or money. You know, a grinder yeah. especially. You gotta you can't make the motor. You gotta buy the motor, and then you got the all the 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 wheels, and then you have the you know the the levers and the the little this and that. It's not a whole lot to a grinder, but it's like you know it's whatever you want to do with it. I personally, I don't like to make my. I, 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 the thought of making my own grinders like ugh, I got what, what now I got to do this. I, I I'm like I'm. You know, <laughs> It's got to be your own. Re- you got to want to do it, and that's the end of that. Sure. Me and I like to buy them. I spend, throw the money. Throw, you know, you got a problem, you throw money at the problem. The problem's gone, right, guys? Come on, guys. <laughs> well, it, it comes down to uh, one of the things Bob always told me when I worked with him is like, is it worth the time, your time, to make it, or does it just make more sense to just spend the money? Because you could be spending your time, your valuable time, the the one thing you can never get back, uh, you know, is it worth your time to do it? And, and the that satisfaction was, is the satisfaction exactly. of the, you get is really where it comes down. To. Right. Well, and I, you know, I built my grinder. Um, but I'll tell you what, by the time I was done, I got everything tuned into place. Um, and, and just running sweet. It was like, a, um, it took only a couple days to build it, but it took a month to get it running. Right. And in that time I could have built, three or four knives and that grinder if i had just bought a grinder it would have paid for itself in that first month um but i think one if you're really into building your own stuff and you want and you love having that satisfaction and and kind of like that ability to modify and adjust and change things i say build your own grinder if you're new to grinding or to knife making and you're not necessarily sure 100 like this is the route you want to go uh as a career choice I would say maybe you want to build your grinder. Um, but if you think you're ready to go full-time or even part-time, but take it very, very seriously, like Craig was saying, I would say the better thing, the better route to do go would be to get a hold of a grinder. Um, you know, I probably spent more money than what this the single-speed AMK is, is being sold for. I probably spent close to $2,000 building my grinder. And... So I, I just, I, I, one, I would have, if I had bought a grinder, I would have saved money. And two, I would have saved time. So you got to figure out what's more important to you. Um, 
and I wish I had bought my, my first grinder. I'll I'll never build another grinder. That's for damn sure. <laughs> that's the that's the that's the that's the answer right there. <laughs> but we it does work them. great. I will say it works awesome. I worked on that thing for four years uh, exclusively before I joined Dragon's Breath Forge, and I love it. It's it does a really great job. So I will say, but you ain't gonna do that again. No, no, but I have that <laughs> grinder for the rest of my life. I don't blame life. you. I- I, I, God bless you. I wouldn't do He's it. He's got a sweet new AMK. He's more than happy. Damn right. Damn yeah. right. So we've got another from Web Blades. Um, hey, man, can I ask you a question? And I think this is directed at uh, Jeff. So could you go over some Kydex tips and tricks with sure. regards to material thickness, things to watch out for, finishing techniques, etc.? He says he knows it isn't rocket science, but a quick rundown would help a guy getting a Kydex setup from wasting a lot of time and cash. The, ky- the Kydex is very inexpensive to do, and it allows you to kind of do it yourself. And that's why I like it. So you can buy a Kydex presses. There's st- companies that sell these steel Kydex presses for $100. But all you really need are two pieces of wood, uh, flat pieces of wood, like squ- rectangles, with a 2x4, a couple of door hinges, and you buy some neoprene. You want neoprene sheets. There's companies out there that sell Kydex supplies. You don't need to buy everything. If you just have a screw gun, a 2x4, and I'll post a picture of my Kydex press that I made. I made two Kydex presses. They're not nothing special. Some plywood, a couple 2x4s, and uh, some door hinges, and I bought some neoprene. There's different types of neoprene you can get, and the key to the buying the neoprene is... How it works is you're putting the you're heating up the kydex, you're wrapping it around your knife, and then you're pressing it between the kydex sheets. You want the you want the neoprene to be as much as it needs to be at least it should be each piece should be at least three quarters thick. That's why when you press them together, it's not going to touch the the top of the wood. That's making it too difficult. You want to get like three quarter inch neoprene if you're making a knife that's probably three quarters. Because you the three quarters and the three quarters inch and a half, you're going to make sure that you get a good compression. So three quarters of neoprene. I bought the expensive stuff and then inexpensive stuff. I can't tell the difference. That's up to you. Uh, Kydex. The best thing to do is to buy them in sheets. They're very inexpensive. You can get. Um, I go point oh eight or point oh six is point oh six point oh eight. It doesn't to me. It doesn't really matter. Um, the thicker it is, the better it's going to be. And you you can buy it in sheets, and then the way you cut it is you score it with a with an exacto knife and um, um, uh, straight edge, and then um, what you want is you want um, quarter inch eyelets. You can get bags of quarter inch eyelets. They're made out of like plated brass or painted brass, and they're quarter inch thick. So then you want if the, if it's a quarter inch eyelet, you want a quarter inch drill. And then um, you want something that's going to rivet the eyelets together so you can get these different types of, like, uh, it's like kind of like an anvil. They call it an anvil. It ain't an anvil. It's like a, it, it, what's to do? It's to mash your eyelet down and uh, rivet the other side. Is that the arbor a, press? Is it that little press thing? Well, you don't need the arbor press. If you have a drill press, your drill press is an arbor press because all oh, you need yeah. is that. What I do is I actually do that with, I've done it a couple lives. Where I actually stick one of the um, the the uh, I guess it's, I don't know what it would call a piston the pistol I don't know what the hell it is it's like a tube not a tube it's a little bar and you stick it in the thing and then you press <laughs> down on the thing or look I'll do another live feed about it but it's basically stick it in super- the thing press down on the thingy 
Damn right. You know, I, look, it's, it's, it's cheap and easy. All you need is a toaster oven or a griddle. We talked about that. Go get yourself some Kydex. Heat it up. Wrap it around your fucking knife and put it in the press and let it, let, it, let it cool down for 10 minutes. And then you can cut it on the bandsaw. You can drill it with your drill. Then you put the eyelets in and then you get a little heat gun, a cheap heat gun, not a hair dryer, not a torch. And then you can actually, if, if, if the retention isn't tight enough, you can use the heat gun and you can use the heat gun to kind of loosen it up. And as it cools down, it, it folds into place. And then, you know, you take a little sandpaper or your little buffing wheel and then you clean up the edges. Do you know who's done a great video of the whole process? Um, Simple York. little life. He did. It's a great video on, on Kydex, and he puts tape on the blade and all. So it's, it's good. Lots full of lots of tips. I try to go in and out with that. I try to not go bananas, but I mean, it, it's it is a if you don't if you don't want to do leather and you want to be able to do Kydex, it's very easy. And then you, it's very easy to learn. There's a ton of good videos on YouTube for you doing Kydex, and that's it. I can't. I mean, I, I, that's it. I don't know what else to say. It's enough. It's enough for the Kydex. I got you. I did it all. Okay. Listen to it. Re- just rewind it. Listen to it again. Jeff, <laughs> you do this next question. <laughs> Nobody wants to read this next question. This one's for oh. you. Oh, is this from Cooey Inc.? That's the one. All right. So this Cooey sent this a while ago. I, I've included it every single time, and uh, we never got to it. Now we're going to get to it. This is Cooey Inc. Question. Curious on options on how to handle customers with warranties, returns, patina, uh, Damascus, loss of contract, if it's a loss of contrast, payment options, care instructions, process you wish, uh, if is there a process you wish you'd set up earlier, thanks for the great podcast. So basically he wants to know the, what are our, as a, what's the customer service aspect of what we do? For me personally, it's it's no quibble. If they're not happy, send it back, and we'll give you the money back. It's um, that's an awesome may, answer. Maybe at times I've been maybe a little bit too sort of lenient, where I know people have you know they've been using the knife for some time and they've they've sharpened it themselves badly. But you know, mm. look look, send it back, and you get the money back. Um, with regards to you know official sort of warranty and returns, I don't really have a policy. I think it's just being you know don't be a dick. Um, <laughs> that's the best warranty I've ever heard. Don't be a dick. <laughs> Let me just scan because th- that was a bunch of questions. So I'm just scanning through them. So patina, um, if people want a patina, they can put it in the notes when they're ordering a Here. knife. Payment options, it's all handled on the website. And care instructions, personally, I've got a video on my website and I direct people to that. That's, that's the answer for me. What yeah. I would say is, in, very simply, is stand behind your work. That's the most important thing. Good. I I have a story I'm going to tell later, but you want people to know that they're getting a good experience. And part of that good experience is you stand behind your work because good word of mouth is good, but bad word of mouth mouth is super fast. That shit goes around. I've heard things from knife makers that I know that I'm a little bit surprised about, be honest with you. And part of that is, is what basically what you said. If you don't like my knife, I don't, if you don't want my knife, I don't want your money. And that's it. And I really make it very, really no questions asked about that because ultimately people want good results. If I have something sent back to me, I take care of it quickly. I take care of it quickly and I'm very, you know, it's they. I want them to know, wow, that's really good. Customer service is lacking in general these days. So to give, provide customer service, you're, going, you're, te- you're giving um, confidence to your work. You're giving confidence to people that you're, you care about what you're doing. 
But with that said, you know, you don't want to get screwed. However, I will say that a, a real quick is a friend of mine bought a knife from another friend of mine and it, it showed up and the knife, he opened the box. The knife was, had patina, had like, had like not controlled patina on the knife. So basically it had been wet and it started to rust. So yeah. when he, when he mentioned it to the guy, he bought the knife from the guy answered, well, it wasn't like that when I sent it. That's not necessarily the right answer for the situation. So no. my buddy called me and said, what should I do? And I was just like, I was so like, come on, man. You, the guy's got it. So I told him what to do. He didn't want to make a big stink about it. He didn't, he's, some of these guys are just like, all right, I heard what you're saying. And, but at the same time, it's like not good PR whatsoever. It was, yeah, a, no. it was a surprise. And it was just like, you want people to say, hey, man, I, I got a question about this. The first thing I said is, if you're not happy, send it back. I'll take care of it. Because that, yep. that good – you want that good – you want people to have a good experience. And everything doesn't have to be perfect, but they want you to know that you stand behind your shit. Yeah. It's the Absolutely. easier sale. A return customer is the easier sale to get. And good word of mouth. Like this guy is was on top of it. Yeah. This guy was on top of it. And that means that's almost more important than, than, than the situation. Good customer sure. service is giant. Yeah. My regarding my warranty and stuff. So I, on my website, I have a, a whole like terms of terms of use page that discusses all that kind of warranty stuff. But I'm right there with you guys. Like if anybody has an issue, they don't want my knife or they just wasn't what they were expecting or what they wanted, then I'm happy to take it back. Uh, regarding patina or maintenance uh, care instructions, I actually send. I have a written up care sheet. Uh, that I send with people and I also when it comes to the patina kind of thing I I have that conversation with them a little bit um, in the email exchanges before I even get to making an actual order so they understand what they're getting into before we even any kind of money is exchanged or anything Um, because if that's not what they're looking for then you know great then you know send them on their way and or direct them to someone else who can help them out with something that they're they are looking for um i think and the payments i just do my payments i do all my invoicing and payments through paypal um yeah tony my my partner tony puts lifetime guarantee lifetime warranty or lifetime guarantee and i always write to him like hey man i'm gonna die before you are you're gonna have to take care of these knives (laughs) <laughs> I, I, lifetime who's lifetime i get stop it with the lifetime I, I, that was the one thing is that when i was uh i was uh with uh in terms of lifetime warranty i was with uri hoffy who's recovering from some surgery he's an awesome guy and he was telling us how he made this railing and he was using this epoxy to put the, the pickets in and um i was with john ledford and, and uri hoffy said he goes oh this, this epoxy is gonna be perfect it'll last a lifetime and john said to him he's like yeah you're gonna be dead in a couple of years what do you care <laughs> who's lifetime all right baby yeah all right this next one is one south bay forge work and it says i would like to ask you a question on finishing your handles what do you prefer for wood scales uh i've i've been using true oil but not getting a spectacular finish i apply with just my finger and it helps a bit but i would like to get a, a high luster finish any tips Thank you from Olympia, Washington, home of the great Michael Malmas. Personally, I mean, all of the wood that I use will be stabilized unless it's a really dense hardwood. Um, So, you know, they generally don't take oil too well. Um, So buffing. 
Bothian. And actually, there's there's a thread on the forum just this week uh, where somebody asks a very similar question, and there's lots of great, great answers. Um, so that's knifetalk.net. You know, click on the link for the forum. Lots of great answers. But um, basically, I use a Buffin machine. I use a, a pink compound. I think it's a P126 or something it's called. Um, and that will give you that sort of high luster finish on a, on a stabilized wood. Sure. If it's not stabilized, if it's, you know, an oily hardwood, it'll do pretty much the same. Um, bit of a tip, actually. Get get your buffing wheel um, and just stick it through the dishwasher. Um, if you, if dishwasher. you've used it on something like Cocoa Bowl or something like that, because it'll just, all the oils will come out all over your wheel. Stick it in the dishwasher. It comes out like brand new, fluffy, ready to use again. Ooh. Can't wait to put my dishes in that dishwasher afterwards. Yeah, seriously. Why don't you put some poisonous Ipe in there and make your lips all tingly? It'll make your lips tingle. God damn. Uh, so I've used what do you say? True he's using true oil. Uh, I've I've never worked with true oil. The way I've seen people do it is they put, you know, they spread a little bit on and then they kind of hand sand it in and wipe it away. Um, and they do multiple coats. And I'm, I'm talking about like maybe a dozen coats. And uh, it's a lot. That's a lot of work. I've I've had really good experience with tongue oil myself, and it's similar. And it's pretty straightforward. It's a, just a very traditional woodworking, wood finishing oil. And essentially, you wipe it on. Uh, you know, you don't want to glob it on, big old, get it all soupy and stuff. But you know, you put a nice little bit on there. Let it do its thing for a few minutes, like five minutes. Wipe the excess off, and then let that coat cure. And then, uh, you know, you just hit it very lightly with maybe a steel wool or something just to rough up the surface. And then uh, and then uh, you go back in with another coat. And I've had really good results on both stabilized and unstabilized woods uh, after about four or five rounds of that. Pro- actually, I've even done less, like three rounds, uh, especially with stabilized wood because it already, because of the stabilization, it already takes a really high finish. Um, I'd say um, you can also just take, especially if it's stabilized, you can take the wood to a higher finish, like maybe 2000 grit. And it will, um, that it'll almost, once you get to 2000 grit, uh, wet sanding on a hand, on a, on a handle, stabilized handle, that's going to almost look completely polished right there. And then you hit that really quickly on a, on a buffer and it's going to look like glass. Um, okay, we've got another from Chris, I think it's Fortchill, F-O-E-T-S-C-H-L, on Instagram. Um, what's the best tip to forge integral knives without a hydraulic press or a power hammer? Um, I'm interested in this, and I wouldn't have a clue. So over to you guys. Jeff. I say get, I say get a fly press. Oh, my God. Don't get a fly <laughs> press. Get a All fly right. press, you fuckers. I'm telling no. you, fly press is your only option. It's the only option. All the fly press. Option. The, the hardest it's part only, about... That's the only answer is the fly press. <laughs> the hardest part about forging down an integral is that um, you're usually starting with quite a large mass, at least half an inch thick material, if not thicker. I'm usually around five-eighths of an inch to a quarter of, or three-quarters of an inch thick. And so I fortunately have a press and a hammer to, to reduce that material down. But doing it by hand, it is possible, but you need some extra tooling for your ha- hammer or for your anvil. And uh, I, the best things I have seen are it's a hardy tool. So it goes in that square hole on your anvil and it's called a guillotine. And it, what it does is it helps segment off uh, what will become the bolster and the tang. 
uh, away from what will become the blade. And once you have that, then uh, you can you can actually get other your or make your own hardy tools that will help reduce down and draw out that material. Or get some friends with a sledgehammer who's accurate with a sledgehammer and start smashing away. But um, there are some guys who are super successful and did it for a long time all by hand. Uh, they're called Bloodroot Blades. I love those guys. Uh, and uh, David and Luke, they just do they do phenomenal work. But they were forging integrals by hand themselves. But it's a two-man team. So they got one guy holding, one guy striking. And I think they they were using some uh, hardy tools to help isolate and segment off material. But it's a lot of work to reduce that material down. So you... More than anything, it's nice to have somebody else to tag you out and start swinging that sledgehammer. But that's the, that's the best thing of advice. Striking teams are the move, and 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 you 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 move a lot of material with a striking team, and you don't you only need one person, and you just need to get in a, get in a rhythm. And that yeah. uh, guillotine is the I got one of those guillotines very inexpensively. I modified it so it fits on my anvil. Or you, yeah. you know some of them have it, so there's like a uh, there's a way to put it in your hardy hole. Guillotines are awesome for that transition between the um, the bolster and the blade and segment, like you were saying, segmenting it off. The the most important part about it is is it's it's all technique, and part of that technique yeah. is understanding how to. You're not just hitting it. You're you're you know halfway on the anvil, halfway off the anvil, and then you're hitting in between to kind of knock down the. Uh, the heel and to kind of fo- focus on different parts. I would definitely suggest in this situation is kind of understanding the technique behind it and getting your buddy in a sledgehammer. And, you know, you can even, you can even do it in a way I actually just did it. Um, I was trying to figure out ways in which I can make my, uh, the transition between the tang and the bolster a little bit uh, more tight in a forged way without using a grinder. So I mm. was, I made a 10, I made the tang into a tenon and then I was using the oh, potential yeah. I was using the Pritchell hole of the anvil. That's the little hole on the other on the on the corner, and I was just driving the steel into the. I was driving it into the Pritchell hole, which was upsetting the material, so it was making the bolster bigger, and it was make it was forging down that material, so it was more wide instead of long. So there's there's techniques that you can do to make it easy. It's just it's more important. The most it's not it's not. How you get there? It's not what you're. It's not the car you're driving, but it's how you get to the destination. So you got to make it happen, and you have to, you know, it's a lot of trial and error. Cool. It's good. Cool. It's good. So this is the moment we've all been waiting for. Yeah. This is the tournament, the final round of the two guys who completely kick Marco's ass at quiz games. <laughs> so, on, uh, on, so I'm. Uh, I just want to preface this a little bit. This is. I didn't go out and do a bunch of stupid research or anything. Not that you guys necessarily <laughs> did. I did. But no, no, no. I'm just saying that this is stuff that I already knew. So, and I'm no Einstein. So, hopefully, I think this is going to be a more of like who's quicker on the buzzer uh, kind of situation. But. Uh, there is some nerd shit in here that I think Jeff might struggle with, but if he's a good guesser, he might get. But anyways, nope. I'm not going to do it, any of that kind of stuff. Okay, so anyways. No rush, I, no rush questions? Shout out to the Rush fans out there who sent us <laughs> a million emails. I knew it. They were going to be mad. No rush oh, questions. Yeah, I, 
We had yeah, a lot of hate brother, mail. My brother-in-law <laughs> tore my ass open it was for a that. Tac- it, was it was a tactical decision. I knew they were going to be bad. I knew you wouldn't get yeah. the rush question. <laughs> All right, let's go. All right, I'm going to whip so your ass. I, I broke this down like uh, a, a day at school. So we got current events. We got anatomy and physiology. We got chemistry <laughs> slash metallurgy. We got you're music. And we got literature. Dude, you're no. the man. That's awesome. Awesome. Yes. So excited. All right, so we're going to start off. With current should we events. just should we just know whose buzzer is who? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, let's do that. Let's see. who's got All what? Right. Craig, this is Craig. What, Craig. What's your buzzer sound like? The old okay, faithful. Got, All right, well, I'm gonna sound. go with. Oh wait, I hold on a second. My goddamn, the goddamn. Oh, she's looking wait, good for no, me. This. No, this is no, no, good. no, no. You're screwed. You're screwed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna whip your ass, boy. I'm gonna whip your ass, boy. <laughs> There we go. Oh, you don't like what that is, one? How about this one? What is that? That's don't. All right, hold on. Just relax. Oh yeah, that's it. I'm gonna fuck okay. you up today, boy. You're gonna be. You're gonna be. You're gonna be cleaning up that shop with a with a broken ass. I'm gonna whip your ass. I'm gonna whip your ass, boy. Let's do it. Our first questions are from current events. Established in 1987 by French chef Paul Bocuse, the Bocuse d'Or is the culinary equivalent of the Olympic Games. Who won this year's competition? Oh, oh I think that's That was Jeff. me, Thomas <laughs> Keller. Ooh, sorry. That's negative Fuck! one. Way All to right, start. God damn it. Really I thought good. it was, oh, he won last year. Oh, no, no, that was... Uh, no, so you're talking he, a team. You're talking a team, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, oh, yeah, it's wait, every so country. The United... <laughs> was it the USA? No. No, <laughs> oh, sorry, good. We're both, we're both negative one. That's awesome. Yeah. Now we're... Oh, thank God. All right, good. What yeah. was the answer? No, no oh, it's Denmark. Denmark won this year. Oh, uh, USA won two years ago. It's a, it's yeah, a biannular uh, cooking event. That was okay. definitely Thomas Keller, the last one who won in the United States. It w- well, it was Thomas Keller's team. Yeah, Thomas Keller's team, right? You're right. You're right. Now, now I'm ready to kick your ass. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, second and final current event question. Chef Dominique Crenn is the first woman in the United States to receive three Michelin stars for her highly acclaimed restaurant, Atelier Crenn. Where is it located? San Francisco, California. You got it, baby. Yeah, baby. You're going down. You're going down, baby. San Francisco, California. She's she is awesome. She's awesome. She is awesome. awesome. She's powerhouse. All right. Now we're going to literature. In the Lord of the Rings, in what Elven? I'm fucking screwed. (laughs) I'm so screwed. In what Elven realm of Middle Earth are the shards of Narsil uh, reforged? That's it. Sorry. What, in, right. in what elven realm are the shards of Narsil reforged? Uh, who knows? <sighs> who the hell knows? Is it, is I it know. A- that's why is I it, asked. Is it, <laughs> is it? Is it? Is it? Asshole Town? No. <laughs> All right. It, that was a, that was not a bet. Okay. That was not a bet. Next nerd question. What was the answer? Uh, Rivendell. Oh yeah, that ain't gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> in the world of Game of Thrones. Oh, oh Jesus Christ! Geez. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. This is literature in a world of Game oh, yeah. of Thrones. What are the rare? What are sorry? What rare heat source is required to make Valerian steel? 
Got Craig. Is uh volcanic rock. I don't know. Oh no. It's That's not... a tactical error, boy. It's a tactical error. Oh, that was the boy. that was the the misery of that was the answer is the misery of somebody's mother. Alright. <laughs> the answer the answer is Dragon's Fire. Valerian right. steel is the equivalent of Damascus in the world of Game of Thrones. And right. it can only be made with Dragon's Fire. With the heat right. of Dragon's I'm Fire. still up one. I don't care. Go ahead. I'm on minus two. You're on yeah, zero. That's right, man. Don't get that's too right. excited, Jeff. You're I'm on a, zero. I'm going to whoop your ass, boy. I'm going to whoop right. your ass. All right. <laughs> Jeff's at zero, and Craig is at uh, negative two. Negative, negative two. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next one is chemistry. Slash metallurgy. Oh, right. What percentage of chrome is required for a martensitic stainless steel to be considered stainless? <laughs> oh, Craig here comes is- negative three. Here comes negative three. Twelve percent. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> is that right? That is correct. Holy Ooh-hoo! shit! Nice one, dude. I, I I had no faith in that one. Ain't your answer. <laughs> All that right, negative one. I was I was wondering. I mean, both of you guys do the stainless, so I thought that was going to be know. a fair one. I don't know percentage, man. <laughs> I don't know percentage. What? What? You know, that's the problem. My buddy uh, Chris Zepp doesn't put that on the piece of paper. On the <laughs> percentages. Go ahead. I'm ready. Coming off you, Jeff. Okay. I'm coming off yeah, you. I'm gonna whoop your ass. <laughs> okay. The next one is in regards to the chemical composition of steel. Uh, what does the abbreviation MN stand for? Amen. No. We're all taking a knee Three, on this one, boy. We're talking. Two. One. Ah. Oh. It is m- manganese. Uh, manganese right, is an element that, that helps <laughs> make a steel deep hardening. <laughs> and it manganese. also, actually, manganese is one of the key elements that helps make a steel black and better as well. Isn't isn't mang isn't the re- isn't manganese madness when people all these guys used to have all these weird pieces of too high manganese in their in their ships and they would go mad? I manganese have no idea. madness, baby. Yeah, manganese madness. Go look it up. Oh wait, I lost my buzzer. All right, well, all right, ready to go. <laughs> all right, this zero to one. negative one. This is a high. This is exactly. a high level scores. High level scores. Yeah. Go ahead. What does CPM stand for in the steel code CPM 154? I'm out. I'm taking I'm a out. knee on that one, too. I'm out. Oh, you stainless guys. I thought you guys had this shit. I don't know the deal. That, that's, that's a U.S. grading, isn't it? I, I, I wouldn't know here. We don't use Well, it's because it's yet. only made in the United States by Crucible. Uh, and it, CPM stands for Crucible Particle Metallurgy. Very good, very good. Okay. I'm still up to Taking zero. Taking us back to school. <laughs> yeah, that's good, man. I'm still one. You guys one. better I'm get up. this next one. I'm going to whip your ass. <laughs> In 10 series, high carbon steel, what do the last two digits of the number represent? Oh, Craig. Um, the point percentage of carbon. Correct, sir. Nice one. Hey. That was a nice one. Zero, we zero. Well, yeah, baby. Celebrating I'm on zero. Yeah, <laughs> we're on zero. So tied up. <laughs> tied up. Whip your ass. All right. This is one you guys both know. So uh, You never know. Okay. Anatomy and physiology. Oh, God. Name the five main parts of a non-integral chef's knife blade. Just the blade. The, the five... <laughs> Craig. Okay, the heel, the yes. tip, the yep. belly, 
the spine, yeah, and the cutting edge. Ooh, so close. I have to say no, because oh. the belly, the belly, and the cutting edge effectively are the same thing. I've been robbed, absolutely robbed. Eh, you robbed yourself. Uh, Jeff, five. Give it a go? I, well, if there's five, I I don't know the fifth one, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take a knee on the fifth one. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna, I want to so keep close. my score. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know the fifth one. I mean the bolster, but I I, I don't know the. Yeah, the bolster's kind of more of the ha- part of the handle. So we have the spine. Yeah. The cutting edge. Yeah. The heel. Yeah. Heel, which is a region of the blade. It's not just the where the blade terminates back at the handle. It's like the back quarter we have the tip which is essentially the front quarter we have the point of the knife the actual terminating point of the knife and then we also an extra option was the choil which is the back of the heel of the knife but that's not the heel no that's the back of the the heel is the area of the cutting edge the choil is the back i think i was robbed oh the heel oh you know what I usually use the. I refer to the heel as the is the as how long how long. All right, all right, all right. You were not robbed. You got it wrong. You were not robbed. <laughs> <laughs> Being robbed and getting it wrong are two different things. Go ahead. All right, we got one more. All right, baby. And it is a audio. So oh, yes, yeah. You did a good job. Yeah, you did a good job. So the question is, name this group. And I'm gonna play it now, be very quiet. Here we go. Killer B so 50 gold, 60 platinum. Shackling the matches with drastic rap tactics. Graphic displays melt the steel like blacksmiths. Ooh. Melt the steel like blacksmiths. Can we oh. Google? Because none of us no. know. Oh, <laughs> what, are you, what part are you gonna Google? What are you gonna Google? Go ahead. Google that. Google that. Google that. Google that audio. Google that audio. Go ahead. Right. I'm waiting. If Craig can get this. Wait, he that, might give take... me just a second. Get give the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Come on, man. It's the Wu Tang Clan. Wu Tang Clan. It is the Wu Tang Clan. All right. Well, that was some horseshit, but you did a good job. Uh, excuse <laughs> me. You, you used a sticker. Thank you to Mr. Build Every. I didn't everything. use a sticker. I didn't use a sticker. Oh, yeah. Uh, I you, some, oh, no, that was some good horseshit, but now right. it's zero. So zero, tied, zero. Tied up at zero. Zeros. Tied up at we suck. We tied up at okay. we suck. I did zero. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. My, my buzzer went away. Hold on. All right. Uh, wait, 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 wait. I got an ad. Yeah, I have, all of a sudden, no, no. this ad came up. All right. Okay. Okay. This last part. The tiebreaker. This last part isn't a race. This isn't going to require a buzzer. You each get a turn. Oh, nice. Tiebreaker. Okay. You get right. one point for every job. elemental abbreviation. Oh, God. You can oh, my God. Oh, jeez. So, who would like to go first? I mean, from the, from the, uh, from the, from the. For steel composition. Oh, for steel composition? Yeah. The, all the abbreviations you can, you can la- list. You get one shit. point. Oh, like like table of elements kind of thing. Yes, Fuck yes. me, man. Oh, Fuck shit. me. Go ahead. You go first. Oh. You go first. C carbon. Yeah. Have we got to say what they are and the abbreviation? Yeah. Well, shit. I know. Um, I know if you're fucking go ahead. up. So you just say iron, the abbreviation. Iron is Fe. Fe. Yeah. Yeah. Titanium Ti. Yeah. Um, you said one earlier, didn't you? Manganese. Oh, shit. I just realized. <laughs> you told me earlier. <laughs> Yeah. Um, aluminium. Is it steel? Aluminium? AL? Um, I think I'm done. Chromium? Chromium? Uh, C. C H or C R? 
So y'all. I'm done. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there's. Oh uh, wait, there. He's just gonna say the same ones I've said and add <laughs> no, one more. No, I'm gonna say all new ones. I'm gonna say all new ones. All right. There's boron. That's B. There's wait, 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 wait. Boron. These, these have to be things that are in oh, steel. Oh, you said table of elements. All of a sudden, now it's a fucking thing. All in right. steel. There's carbon. In that's C. There's uh, <laughs> cobalt. That's CO. There's okay. copper. That's CU. Let's yeah. see. Where else in my mind can I think of one? There's <laughs> there's gold, which is, is AU. Copper and steel. There's some copper. There's, there's some gold. There's some, elements. There's some helium. Not... HE. There's iron. FE. There's krypton. Oh, there's krypton is KR. These aren't in steel. There's fucking lead. Is PB. Lead's PB. Manganese MG. Or there's magnesium. Oh, my mistake. Mag- magnesium is MG and magnesium. All right, you're done. Magnesium is MN. Whatever, mercury, there's HG, there's neon, nickel, NI. What do you want to own? Nitrogen, that's N. I think I cleared this one up. I think I fucking I think, won. I think you've yeah. Googled very quickly. I know, I man. Potassium <laughs> is K. Radium is RA. Radon is RN. I, I got this in the bag. It's all from my college days. Sulfur, say, that's S. Craig's got this one. Tin, you didn't say tin, Craig. That's that's T I. That's uh, S N. There's fucking xenon. That's X E. You didn't say that one. Okay, I think time's up. Time's up. Zirconium. Come on, man. I got this in the bag. I whipped your ass, boy. I whipped your ass, boy. Craig, I know. I gotta list you as the grand champion. Congratulations! 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 That was a good one, man. That was hard. That was hard. That was oh, good. I thought I was taking and it I, easy. I thought I was using stupid stuff. No, no, right. that was good. That was that was a good one. That was all. We, listen, it was competitive. We both sucked, so it was great. You know, and then who sucked worse? Me. I sucked worse. So congratulations to Craig Lockwood. I think you fucking you know you you squeaked it out. I'm with you. I'm with you. You squeaked <laughs> so it out. That was three quizzes we've done. We've all hosted one. I think there's a chance maybe we could do a grand grand final. Where all three of us are playing, and we get a guest host oh. on for the for an episode. Oh, what do you oh. think? Yeah, sure. I think that's great. Yeah, whatever you want, whatever you want. I'll fling out some emails this week. Let's see um, who we can get as a guest host. But that's good. a show. Thank you very much for listening. Um, Mondays wouldn't be the same without you. Uh, remember Ooh. to go to knifetalk.net for the forum to get your knife talk T-shirts. Um, and we shall speak to you again next week. Yeah. Bye bye. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.